You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. Start your computations for time warp. You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail, everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, you're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn same. thing. So you just put him in the morgue. You goddamn right. It's called Pirate Radio. What we do, it is useless to resist. Don't let yourself be destroyed as only one did. $10 for a BJ, $12 for an HJ, $15 for a ZJ. What's a ZJ? If you have to ask, big man, you can't afford it. This is called Pirate Radio. Pain heels. Chick sticks cars. Glory. Last forever. Lady, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. Who the hell are you? Name's Ash. Housewares. Poorly Clover, make a wish. Wish you weren't so f***ing awkward, bud. This is called Pilot Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns are for jerks. It's like, yeah, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzford. I'm totally going to use that, too. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford and this is GGR Pirate Radio. Guys, it's the end of the year. It's the end of 2019. This is our last episode of 2019 and we're going out with a bang. We're going to talk about the 2019 superlatives, um, courtesy of Mr. Steve Monick. Uh, He wrote a Geek Sheets article for us that talks about like the biggest events, more or less, of 2019 when it comes to the geeky, nerdy world. Um, so we're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right into that because there's a lot to unpack, a lot that we want to discuss. And joining me, I've got the the triad, the the three integral parts that makes the podcasting triumvirate here at GGR Pirate Radio. It's the aforementioned uh, co-host and co-creator of The Great Geek Refuge. His name is Steve Monick. It's been a year, guys. It's been a year. It has indeed been almost 365 days. We've also got... A talented musician, a wonderful person in general, because this dude, I love how he stands up for what he believes and and regardless of what somebody says, like is not afraid to call somebody out on their nonsense and chicanery. His name is MC Brooks. Hey, I have a joke. Okay. What do you call, what do you call the world's oldest profession in the wintertime? Prostitution. <laughs> prostitution <laughs> just slow clap well done <laughs> that'd be my only contribution tonight just kidding <laughs> good all right good night everybody <laughs> all right guys let's jump right into this uh this geek sheets right here man we'll hit that theme music and now it's time for the geek sheets here is what's going on in the geeky nerdy world. All right, Steve, what you got for us, buddy? Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, start us off with uh, with what we had for the superlatives uh, for this year? Yeah, and uh, I'll preface the podcast the same way I preface the actual article itself. The nice thing about writing an article 
pool of superlatives where I'm picking winners and losers or whatever this stuff is universally everyone will think that I don't know what I'm talking about. So hopefully the podcast goes the same way. And I'll be like, this is what I thought about for this category. And you guys go, you're dumb. Let's talk about what the actual answer is. So uh, that's what I want tonight to be is just here's a here's a category. And here's what I thought for that category. But you guys, please feel free to say this is what I think uh, or no, that's that's the one that makes sense. So uh, the first one, the first kind of category that I had was in the in the realm of films and movies. Um I had a category, the biggest gap in fan response versus box office performance. And so um, I guess technically it could have gone either way um, where it made a crap ton of money. Um, I'm thinking about maybe like 2018's Venom made a ton of money, but everyone was kind of like, meh. But this one, I went the other way where uh, I went with the movie Shazam. Everyone really seemed to like this movie. No one really had any serious problems with it. Everyone I talked to was like, yeah, that was really funny and the way the DCEU is going, I'm not sure where it's going to go, but I'm really happy they made this movie. And it didn't make a tremendous amount. Um, the uh, equivocation I did in the article is Frozen 2's opening weekend made $130 million domestic. Shazam's entire run made a buck forty, So you really did not make a ton of cash, despite the fact that you can grab a random person on the street and go, did you see Shazam? What'd you think? Oh, I loved it. I, and I don't, I don't know where the disparity is there. But, Do you think it's, um, you think it's name recognition? It might be a little that, and like remembering the the time frame. Like I'm pretty sure it came out two weeks before Endgame, so it didn't have a huge window of time to make its money. But at the same time, that's kind of the case for films anymore. You know what I mean? Like most of the time, uh, a movie has a good two weeks to make. The, the the huge percent like 90 percent of its of, of its what it's gonna make essentially um you know you do have your oddballs like endgame that just keeps going and going and going and a couple ones like um like i remember a couple years ago like black panther really had like legs um i'm trying desperately to think of non-mcu ones that do <laughs> this but um you know there's movies that are big smash hits and pretty much the standard at this point is between 40 and 60% drop off in its second week. Uh, you really don't have movies that have long legs anymore. So the fact that Shazam big blockbuster movie, funny, great reviews from both critics and fans, um, kind of a shot of adrenaline in what was happening with the DCEU. I would have thought in the first two weeks, it would have done more just, compared to all of its superhero movie brethren outside of like super duper obscure stuff, like, you know, like original Hellboy and stuff like that, you know, like I, I'm surprised that even though it wasn't maybe as popular of a hero, it didn't do better. I'm, I think, I think with Shazam, I, I do think the, the end game factor was kind of part of it, but the, the hype for Endgame aside, I think Shazam suffered from uh, two two major things. One, the other DCEU movies were not very well done. And despite the fact that Aquaman, widely successful, Wonder Woman, widely successful, the DCEU, like, by and large, is not seen in a favorable light. And I think for people who are not familiar with the Shazam... Uh, which actually brings me to my second thing. Um, 
people were like, what is this goofy movie and like, why, why should I go see it? Because much of the social media stuff I saw about Shazam from people who were not familiar with the character whatsoever, they just, they thought the movie just looked really silly and not in a good way. Now, I mean, I loved it. I thought, I still think it's the best movie DC has done as far as their extended universe is concerned. Um, but I think all of that kind of contributed to it, like because you know Marvel, Marvel can get away with making you know a, an origin movie for a character that's not widely known, and people are going to go watch it because Marvel has that brand recognition. Like you know what you're going to get. You I mean you can look at Captain Marvel, you know, a character that not super well known outside of people who know comics, and it was pretty commercially successful, not only because it ties into the extended universe, but because you know, it's Marvel and people were going to give it the benefit of the doubt, even if they did not like it. And I think with Shazam, like you're, you're kind of batting 500 with having, you know, Aquaman was cool. Wonder woman was cool, but you know, justice league and Batman versus Superman happened. And people are, are going to hold that against DC for as long as they continue to try to make these, uh, movies as part of their universe. So I think that I, I want to compare comparable superheroes because Wonder Woman is a, is a big name. Wonder Woman is is one of the um, pillars of the Justice League. So everybody knows Wonder Woman. Uh, I mean, Linda Carter made sure of that. So like everybody knows exactly who she is, right? Same thing with Aquaman. Everybody knows who Aquaman is. People don't really know who Shazam is, really. And... The, like the general populace has no idea. So I think that might have, ha, might have had something to do with this. And I'm going to compare this to, because I want to look at what, what Shazam made total at the box office, like total when all was said and done. Um, it was, that's it. Wow, man. 365 million uh, worldwide. Right. And Ant-Man, I think Ant-Man is a comparable superhero. Would, like, wouldn't you guys kind of agree? He's not, a top tier. Most people don't even know who the fuck Ant-Man is. They probably think it's like a joke on Spider-Man. Like, oh, there's Spider-Man, so there's also an Ant-Man. <laughs> um, Ant-Man made $519 million. The, fir- the first Ant-Man. The first Ant-Man, yeah. $519 million. So, I mean, we're comparing worldwide sales. 365 for Shazam, Ant-Man 519. I think that Ant-Man... What you're seeing here is these are comparable movies. And if you put them in a in a vacuum and you didn't have the outside influences of their studios that produce them, that that would be you. These movies would have made the same thing. But because Marvel made and Marvel slash Disney did Ant-Man, people are more willing to see it. But because Warner Brothers slash DC made Shazam, people were like, eh, I don't know. Like DC has been kind of questionable lately. Justice League was not that great. Neither was Batman versus Superman. I don't really think I need to go see this one. But Ant-Man, they're like, oh, it's Paul Rudd. He's fun. Let's go check him out. And it's right. it's a shame too, because Zachary Levi is hilarious in Shazam. And like, yep. like just a really good dude in general. Like I, I'm like, there was a thread on, on Twitter where he got he caught some shit from um somebody because he called a female reporter darlin and this woman went in on him and like i mean was ripping him to stress not the reporter mind you somebody else and zachary levi's response was this is something that i've done forever in interviews i'm from the south this is how i talk this is what i do he's like and no one has ever said anything to me about it 
That being said, if this is problematic, please let me know and I'll stop. And the woman wouldn't let it go. And he was very like inviting. He was having a conversation and like it turned on the woman like Twitter started defending him. They were just like, leave, fucking leave him alone, man. He like he's he's on, he's an ally. He wants he's trying to listen to your your complaints here. And I was I just applauded this because very many people are going to take their thing and be like, oh, you're blowing this out of proportion. But he was like, hey, this is what I do. And, and if it's wrong, please let me know so that I can fix this because I don't want to offend anybody. Right. And like I feel bad for him that his movie didn't make more money. <laughs> like he deserved fucking Shazam deserved better, man. Yeah. Well, hey, he but... got that sweet TJ Maxx commercial that I've seen about 14 <laughs> billion times. So I guess he's doing all right. <laughs> he's, he's doing all right for himself. Yeah. He, um, yeah. Yeah. Sh Shazam was, it was a good flick. And, it, it's yeah. Go ahead. And, oh, and he's getting a sequel. So, I mean, it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, it, it did well enough that, you know, DC felt, comfortable in you know giving it a sequel and I, I do think uh you know the rock being involved in the in the process of it which i actually didn't know that he was he was as involved in the process of getting zachary levi hired for for hired as shazam and in launching this entire thing so i mean they're clearly banking on that and it, it clearly did well enough that they trust that this movie is is going that it deserved the sequel and that, you know, ultimately pairing him with the rock and, you know, perhaps the other, the remaining heroes of the justice league is, is going to be worth it in the long run. Yeah. I, I think it'll, it'll be, cause like if we look back in history, wasn't captain America, um, the lowest grossing of the, of the first couple of Avengers movies. If I had to guess, I probably would have thought Thor. Yeah. I would think Thor, but it, it might be. I'm checking right now. Uh, well, Captain it, America made 370 million. Let's see what Thor made. Thor box office 449 million. Wow. I Iron was mistaken. Man box huh. office. I bet you. I, I mean, Iron Man's Iron, got to be up there. 585. Yeah. Obviously, we're not including Avengers because we all know that's going to be the top one. But Avengers box office. One point five one nine million billion. Like, yeah, okay. What, Just, what, what did it. that Hulk movie make? Which one? Though? Oh, yeah, the, you know, like the, uh, the 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 MCU one, the uh, Ed Norton one. Hulk, um, box office, two hundred and sixty three point four million. So that was the lowest of them all. But yeah, yeah. That's a that's a shame too. Like I I had never watched it all the way through, and I was stuck at a uh, car dealership getting my car fixed one time, and I ended up getting almost all of it watched. And I was like, this is not a bad flick. Like, I don't know I don't know why. Maybe that was residual from the Ang Lee one and the the blowback from that. But the, even the Ang Lee one was really not bad either. So I'm I don't know. Maybe I'm a bad film critic because it, it, you have to be. It has to be a really shitty movie for me not to like it. Yeah. Like even even like I was saying to you guys off air, like how much I disliked the Joker's message. I still liked that movie. <laughs> like I still like I, there, I had takeaways. I was like, this was an this was a really good film. It was well shot. Like th the story was interesting. Like I was captivated the entire time. There was just a lot of problematic pieces with it. And the fact that Todd Phillips came out and was like, people are too sensitive, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like that that kind of painted it in a really shitty picture, too. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, you mentioned in this honorable mention section here, too, for uh, for the uh, the most surprising fan response for his box office. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by by Tarantino. 
And I feel like Tarantino is really not a big box office guy. Like he doesn't make a, an ass load of money in all of his releases. They're, they're, he's kind of a niche director. Like he's a good director, I think. But I feel like he's not going to be like winning box office battles against any of these big name movies. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I curved it with saying, you know, Quentin isn't everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. Um, so it's not surprising. I, I just expected it to do more than it did, I guess, because not even so much because of the Tarantino aspect, because like it's Pitt and DiCaprio together oh, tell, telling a story that everyone knows. Like it's not Pulp Fiction where it's kind of a created world. Like it's it's a movie based on quote unquote real events. Yeah. You know, just Tarantino'd up a bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I was thinking like, ah, that might be enough to draw in more of your Joe Schmo audience as opposed to just quentin tarantino fans um so i i initially thought oh wow okay it's kind of in the same realm of of shazam around that 140 mark and by no means is that terrible um but i just thought that with the advertising the real life story and the cast it would have generated a little bit more yeah but and being being rated r always is going to hurt a film's performance as well because Right there, you're limiting, saying we're only going to let so like a certain age of people and up in anyway, and teenagers go to the movies a lot. So they do indeed. So one of the things that I wanted to do before we jump into the second category, um, yeah. Steve, you remember this from from doing this job. We both do a job at the at this place, and that's how we met was working at this place together. And I don't know this normally doesn't come across with any of the people that I deal with interact, any of the uh, interactions I have with our clients or customers. But in the process of a conversation with a customer, uh, I had it like, we just hit it off. It was a fantastic conversation because the guy was a huge music fan. And the reason why he was a huge music fan was because, and I'm not going to say his full name on here because I don't want to out the dude, but he was awesome, right? He was just an amazing guy. And he was part of a band, not a huge band, but at the time, like they they're from Boston. You know, I'm going to say the name of the band. The name of the band is Mission of Burma. And they were big in the 80s, uh, big in the 90s, had a couple of hits. Their big one was uh, that's when I reached for my revolver, which you guys, if, if you listen to it, you'd be like, I've, I've heard this song on the radio at some point. But like the guy's name was Steve. He was a part of this band. He was like, yeah, I played with Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. And I was like, look, you're already buying something from me. But you just said that. So now we're best friends, Steve. So it's cool. Like. But Steve was dope. We had the best conversation. We talked about David Bowie. We talked about Tom Petty. Like, I told him about, I normally don't do this, but he was like, he was like, so what do you do when you're not doing this stuff? I was like, well, I, I'm actually, I, I do podcasts. He's like, oh, you do? Tell me about your podcast. I'll listen. So Steve, if you're listening, this is for you, buddy. You're awesome, man. You're like the coolest dude I've ever talked to who was calling in to speak to my company, which shall remain nameless because they don't pay me extra to advertise for them. So yeah. great name awesome by story. the way what mission of burma no his name <laughs> oh steve yeah <laughs> i approve <laughs> yeah he was such a cool dude man he was just telling me all these stories oh this guy was cool and this rock star was awesome and i'm like you met all these people you son of a bitch like it was <laughs> it was just such an awesome conversation so like, that was my whatever yeah exactly yeah yeah no big deal just hanging out with dave Grohl, you know like oh and they loved our music man you know nirvana stole our sound and i was like yeah okay cool like (laughs) (laughs) it was very very cool very cool okay so let's go to uh story uh, number two yeah the other one i had for films i thought would be an interesting conversation and 
ironically, you both have brought up these two films that were my winner and my honorable mention, but we can have a lively debate about that. I decided what was the most divisive film? Um, And to me, it was between Captain Marvel and Joker. Uh, In my opinion, Captain Marvel took the win here because of all the Rotten Tomatoes stuff and how reliant the film industry is kind of on Rotten Tomatoes anymore. And the fact that what nonsense was going on before this movie even was released, forcing Rotten Tomatoes to change a lot of the way it does its business. I was like, okay, if your people are going like cats and dogs is enough to affect Rotten Tomatoes, that's a pretty divisive you know, element of the film right here. And a lot of it um, for Joker was about the content in the film. Yeah. For, for me and for Captain Marvel, it was all about the extraneous stuff around the film. Cause like when you actually watched it, like uh, all the stuff everyone was fighting over really was nowhere to be found in it. Um, all this stuff about Brie Larson and whether you thought she was, you know, it, whatever you thought about her and you, people were pro and con and, you know, everyone was trying to pin this movie as is uh, on all these different movements and all this different stuff. And really, none of that was in there. Um, yeah, not even a little. Yeah. And so to your point and, and a lot too, like it, uh, Rambo, uh, who, who's on our team, obviously, if, so if anyone's listening, um, you want to kind of get a really, really well written article about Joker and some of the issues that it had. Um, Rambo wrote an article on our page uh, a little bit after that film came out. So I'd, I'd highly recommend you go check that one out. Um, but I think to me, divisiveness was more about the stuff around it and the way that it affected Rotten Tomatoes took the cake over Joker. But I'll leave it to you guys to kind of make your case for for either one or a third film that, that I didn't mention. I would like to um, present if it pleases the court. It was released in actually, you know, what was it two years ago now? I might be talking about a movie that was uh, released two years ago. Never mind. Hang on. Let me look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Hang on. Let me look it up. Well, I mean, I personally would agree with the I, I it think was Captain it was Mar- last Jedi. Last Jedi was two, two years ago. Two years, Sorry. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Because that definitely had its own thing happening recently, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I think I would agree with Captain with Captain Marvel being most divisive. Mm-hmm. Mostly because of everything not surrounding the actual content of the film itself. I mean, I felt like Brie Larson was trending for forever on Twitter, and literally anytime her name came up anywhere, there were there was just always something coming up about her hating men or her or her Avengers co-stars not liking her, and people editing like edit, uh, making whole YouTube uh, YouTube videos showing showing specifically edited portions of group interviews where Brie is talking and someone might like yawn or might be looking off like in order to create this narrative that, Hey, nobody, nobody she worked with on these Marvel movies actually liked her. We should get her fired. And like, it was, it was just really crazy to, 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 to hear like even before seeing the movie. And then even after seeing the movie, just kind of, like there were there were there were posts i feel like there were posts in every nerd group i was in about brie and about either a comment or about how terrible captain marvel was how people were not interested in seeing captain marvel because of brie larson or because it it didn't look good or 
that Marvel was trying to just uh, just uh, 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 God, I lost my train of thought. Oh, they were just trying to profit off of you know '90s nostalgia and and not, and and literally nothing else. And like I, I think with the the whirlwind that surrounded the film, uh, without even getting to the actual content and what like the criticisms people had of it, which is a whole other thing. Because I think uh, some people went too hard at uh, hard at the movie because they didn't like Brie Larson. Um, I, I think it's very easily like the most divisive of this year. Well, and that's the thing right there to me yeah. is it, it 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 got to the point where you couldn't state your opinion on the actual film without someone assuming you're in one camp or the other based there. on whether you liked it or disliked it. Whereas the Joker. At least you can have a conversation about the film without anyone making assumptions about you based on what your thought on the film was. You're like you can have a, a case to be made for it. Yeah. yeah. That that right there, Steve, you, you nailed it. And and that's that's the problem with not just the uh, Captain Marvel. It's not pro- the problem with just the Joker. It's not the problem with the aforementioned Last Jedi. It's all of them. Because it's become this the, – the world – our particular world has become so polarized when it comes to anything that as soon as somebody says something that attribute that, – that is in agreement with something – and honestly, I'm guilty of this too. That as soon as somebody agrees with like I didn't like this thing, you automatically assume that the rest of that sentence goes because of all of the other horrible shit that other people have said. Like – there's so many reasons why you could not have liked Captain Marvel. I watched Captain Marvel. I was kind of ho-hum to it. It was okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't horrible. I think it was enjoyable. I thought it was fun. Like, I loved when, when Jude Law was running his mouth and he was like, ah, don't use your powers and fight me. And she was like, no, nah, I'm good. And just blows him across the, the planet. <laughs> like, that was pretty funny. Like, I enjoyed her journey. I thought it was cool. Like, her trying to get her memories back. That's always, like, a really cool trope that they do with movies. I always enjoy that. I thought it was well executed. Overall, fun movie. Nineties nostalgia. I'm in. Fuck, we do a whole goddamn podcast about that shit. Like, (laughs) it's (laughs) oh, they're just using nineties nostalgia to sell the movie. So the fuck what? So is so is every t-shirt company. So is every um, Netflix, Hulu. um, Every that's basically commercials. Like exactly. Like they're selling you on something. Like hey, this song you like. Hey, now we're associated with our product. Hey, exactly. that actor you had the you had a crush on in seventh grade. Well, hey, they're selling our product. Like, yeah, it's literally inescapable. Yeah, it's it is what it is, man. And like, I just I, I don't have enough time in my life. I don't have enough room in my heart to be so angry at everything all the time. Like, I just don't. I, I don't. And like, it's like I remember being young. Maybe it comes with old age. I don't know. But like, I remember like. At one point, there was a movie. It was a horror movie that was coming out, and they did a cover. Some band did a cover of "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and I remember being like physically sickened by this. Like I was ready to like go fight somebody. I was like, "How dare you? How dare you step on the good name of Kurt Cobain?" And honestly, like Kurt Cobain probably would have dug the shit out of it. He'd be like, "Oh, cool, this is a cool cover." He didn't give a fuck. Like that's the thing. Is like. I'm not going to waste my energy on this shit. I'm not going to get mad because uh, social justice warriors are the reason why Captain Marvel, who the fuck cares? She can fly around and shoot these awesome like laser blasts out of her hands, man. That's dope. Like, who exactly. fucking cares? And that, like, go yeah. 
yeah, like that that was my thing is like it's the same thing with Star Wars. It's people are so ready to be mad. They they want to be mad. And like yep. they stand there with their arms crossed waiting for you to say something to piss them off to and, and not trigger. I'm not using it like that, but like to trigger their anger. And like yep. they're, they're waiting to be upset. And the problem is, is like and you've heard this analogy before. They're they're not they're not listening to you. They're waiting for their chance to talk. And yep. as long as you say that one thing that sets them off, then they get to rip into you. And it's that's that's come with the social media mindset that we have is everybody wants to get in a fight. Everybody's ready to throw down. And, and like we don't listen to each other anymore. And like there was uh, MC, I, you actually saw it and you and you like you liked the comment that I made. Rambo had one about religion that he posted and it was about how um, Christianity steals a lot of the pagan rituals for Christmas and how and it goes into the history. And like this is a known. I mean, if you studied history, you know this, that they did that for a reason, because they were trying to get the focus off of the pagan stuff. They're like, all right, well, so we need to do something around this time because it's such a big pagan holiday. Let's shift Jesus's birthday to here and make it a celebration of that. And there was this guy who was going off about how he's like, oh, this is insulting, yada, yada, yada. And. I told him, I was like, dude, I don't really care if you think it's insulting. This is what it is. It was stolen. And that got some response. But then, like, I listened to what the guy actually had to say. He was like, no, you're missing. You're missing what I'm saying here is. And he explained it because he turns out he's Jewish, too. And that's basically like how it all prefaced it. I said to him, I was like, look, I don't need anybody to tell somebody who grew up being Jewish what it's like to have to see Christmas decorations everywhere and shoved in your face and told how that's the only holiday that's important. He's like, I am too. That's what I'm saying is, is like, I get mad when people say, Oh, well, it's not even really a Christian holiday when everybody reminds me it's a Christian holiday. I was like, Oh, okay. So we're same team. And he was like, yeah, basically. So like we went from yelling at each other to like chilling out and we're like, Oh, okay, we're cool now. So like, it's, <laughs> I'm not trying to say I'm perfect. Cause I'm not, cause I shouldn't have come at that guy like a dick in the first place, but I did. But at the same time too, I was willing to listen. And I think that's the problem is most people are not is yeah, once they've made their mind up, that's it. It's over. Like, there's no way that anybody can like Captain Marvel and be a decent person is the way that they look at it. Well, I, I kind of told you told you this earlier about stuff I was seeing about Rise of the Skywalker yeah. already in groups, and this movie just came out yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I'm, I'm seeing things like this is the worst Star Wars movie that's ever been made. Like, I, I mean, that they were saying that I heard it as early as Tuesday when yeah. some of the when some of the people um, who who got to go to the press screening. I mean, um, I, you know, I get I I get the Google alerts like when news and stuff when their news and stuff comes up, and like there was a whole thing waiting for me about how Jeremy Johns made some video completely ripping the movie, and he was also trending on Twitter because he apparently ripped this movie to shreds. That's the thing, man. Is is this is all calculated. This is all part of the plan because that's what sells. You know, the most popular YouTubers are like who get like millions and millions of hits and millions and millions of subscribers are the ones who are angry and yell and scream and do horrible stuff like because that's what sells. Yep. And like it, it's 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 fucking scary, man. Like there's no there's Nobody holds them accountable. They don't hold themselves accountable for the things that they say, the things that they do. And like with Star Wars, a perfect example is I went with my cousin. It's like we've seen all of the new Star Wars movies together in the theater. And his dad is one of those like Star Wars 
insane people. <laughs> like I was trying to th- find a nice way to say it. I was about to say something really rude, but like he's one of those people that like, oh, they've ruined Star Wars and Disney this, and they've they've ruined everything, and it's this is not my Star Wars. And he was, mind you, his dad has not seen the movie, but his dad was saying, well, I heard this YouTuber say this and say this happened in the movie, and this happened, and this is what happens here. And um, my cousin was like, no, none of that happens. What are you talking about? And his dad was like, no, it definitely does. And he's like, yeah, because you've seen the movie and I haven't. Yeah, because I didn't sit with with Mike and watch it for three hours. Like, what the fuck? Like, this is what people do now. And those YouTube videos are popular because they know that if they do inflammatory shit, people are going to watch it. And it's just like, God, it makes me mad. It makes me so mad. Like, stop watching Mike Zero videos. They're not real. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How many times did that asshole say, oh, I have a. a, uh, an inside source that was in Ireland that was uh, watching the filming of The Last Jedi, and there's going to be a big fight between Kylo and Luke and Rey, and Rey's going to have her arm chopped off, and and you're just like, oh, well, all right, and then none of that shit happens, and you're just like, you motherfucker, like, it's, yeah, like, it's... So One of my favorite things is watching those videos and then going like, this is completely different from what you said four videos ago. Yeah, right. But yeah. plus you're releasing like seven videos a day. There's no way you're getting all these updates for like then it just became entertainment value for me to watch. Like, all right, what's this one going to say? All right, we'll see. Yeah. MC, what were you going to say? That's it. Basically sounds like we got this covered. Exactly. You know, and like you pointed that out to me, too, that like it's they just share shit because they know it'll get it'll get hits. Yeah. It'll get likes. And like it's they look at this. Look at this. Artwork, artwork, seeing Henry Cavill as black as you know Red Sun Superman or something, and it's like, oh, this is literally some fan art from Tumblr. But all yeah. right, yeah, it's when 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 people yell of fake news, it's normally those people who like that stuff that that are talking about the real media and fake news. It's like the real fake news doesn't get called fake news, and it's just like, what the hell's even going on? I, like it's, I just. That's why we have GGR. Hey, shameless plug, shameless plug, right? Plug. Like, <laughs> that's why we have a great geek refuge because we don't put up with that nonsense. Like I, we, there was a, an article that was shared by one of us. I don't remember who it was. And somebody commented something really inappropriate. And I deleted it immediately and messaged the person. I was like, this is not appropriate. And their response was, oh, well, you know, it's just my opinion. I was like, that's great, but we don't talk about that sort of stuff here because we don't we, we don't stoke fires like this. Plus, what you just shared is uh, completely false. None of that's true. And they were like, oh, well, and like they were fighting me with about it for a little bit. And I was like, look, it's not real here. And I showed them the stuff and they were like, oh, shit, I'm so sorry. And I was like, it's fine. They're like, am I still allowed to be in the group? I was like, of course you are. Yes. Like, just don't share bullshit, man. Like, don't be a juice bag. It, it's it's in big <laughs> fucking letters at the top of the website. Like, it's it's there. It's a thing. It exists. Pretty much the only guiding principle that we have. Well, OK. Um, and I have to apologize <laughs> for uh, being late getting on to the show look what the cat but, drug in yeah that's that's that that's basically what it is yeah. <laughs> Every, every everything's okay though right that is oh oh yeah okay. yeah yeah i mean it's it's you know it's just that i didn't get but two hours sleep last night and i just got well okay i got back uh from fredericksburg at seven and uh what happened to me was 
I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I woke up like five minutes ago like, oh, shit. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Ulysses E. Campbell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I am so sorry. Um, it, is, it, is all, it is all good, man. You have done you have done plenty. You've done plenty for King and Country when it comes to GGR, man. You, you've you've helped us on many occasions. We I just appreciate that you were able to squeeze us into your busy schedule because you only got yeah. two hours of sleep and you were working. Like, what are you, like 20 years old? Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, you know, it's the choices you make. Yuli, I wanted to um, kind of kind of bring you in, uh, bring you up to speed on what we were talking about here. Um, with with Steve's uh, superlatives for 2019, he he gave the the win uh, for most divisive film to Captain Marvel, over or the... loss, depending on how you quantify. Yeah, it. That's true. Yeah. Was that just 2019? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he gave oh, it. Dear. He gave it to Captain Marvel over the Joker. I mean, are you in agreement with this, or do you think there was another movie? that was more divisive or was the Joker more divisive than Captain Marvel? Any, what's your thoughts on this? Well, I can, I can certainly understand. I mean, you know, given the general nature of divisiveness, um, you know, Steve, why you would say uh, Captain Marvel. And I, you know, I suppose, uh, you know, that, that is even a defensible kind of response. You know, this, this though, to me, it's, it, it's, I don't know. It's kind of more subjective than objective. And the reason I say that is, I mean, in terms of what I would describe as the more dangerous film, I absolutely would say that was Joker hands down. And, uh, you know, only because I think that it was I think it was a very irresponsible movie. You know, I mean, Captain Marvel, for whatever, um, you know, level of uh, diversity that uh, that it had, you know, whether it was natural or forced or whatever, you know, behind having had a female director and, uh, you know, female composer of the soundtrack and, you know, female lead characters and all this, uh, you know, it was still it was still just a movie, you know, I mean, it, yeah, okay, you know, but but the Joker <clears throat> or sorry, Joker rather was. Uh, you know, I, I think the impact of of that film was uh, a lot more pronounced, and um, you know, it it might have had uh, it, Captain Marvel might have had might have been divisive, but Joker was divisive, is uh, is what I would say. So uh, okay. You know, I mean, and again, just in terms of, I mean, there's no amount of, uh, I mean, Captain Marvel was entertainment. You know, Joker, that was just a, a, a very good film that was very bad. You know, so yeah. that that's, you know, that, that's what I would have to, to say in response to that. But I certainly, I mean, I, I, I Steve, I understand. I don't disagree. You know. Yeah, that was part of the fun of the conversation was, you know, I was coming at it from the, like, the film dropped this, you know, this uh, this whole grenade into what I think the way I put it in the article was a bunch of people who already had kerosene and matches in their hands and were looking for a place to use it. So like mm. the film itself really had nothing like the content that the, what was in the film really didn't matter. It was more about what that yeah. represented to people or what they thought it was going to represent. So mm. that was really to me what what kind of set it off, whereas from your from your vantage point you're talking about i'm talking about you're you're saying what's actually in the film and and if we're talking about it from that lens 
I'd probably agree with you more too. If we're talking from, you know, opening card to credits. Yeah. Joker probably has a lot more in it that would be divisive than Captain Marvel. Cause Captain Marvel was kind of bland. It was more the stuff mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. it. That was, that was the nonsense. Yeah. So that's, that's why, you know, I was like, Hey, when we have this podcast tonight and I'm going to bring up the superlatives and who I quote unquote said was the winner. I'm fully understanding that like, this is going to start a whole bunch of conversations. And that's really what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the, you really need a really good point about that too, Steve, with the kerosene and the matches. And they were just looking for something. The whole quote of like people uh, attributing Brie Larson to saying, I don't want men to see Captain Marvel. That was a big thing. Like a lot of angry, I assume live in their basement with their parents. Men were, up in arms about this because, oh, she doesn't want men to go see Captain Marvel. Well, then she's not going to get my money. She didn't even say that. Not only did she not say that, it wasn't about Captain Marvel. It was an interview from a year before the movie even came out about um, A Wrinkle in Time, which she was involved in because somebody had said, oh, most of the reviews of this movie were by white older men. And she's like, this movie isn't for them. This movie was for younger girls for girls of color. Like those are the reviews that I want to see. I want to see reviews from women, from women of color, people who read this book as children. I don't give a shit about old white men. And like that made perfect sense. But you take that quote out of context and then you apply it to your thing, your evil, nefarious thing that you're trying to do to get people to agree with your weird fucked up stance on something. And like there you have 90% of the problems with, with the internet and social media today. Like that's the same thing that happens with political discourse. Like, I I shared a video about um, the transcripts. Read the transcripts, right? That's the thing that all the that's the thing that all of the um, Trump supporters are saying right now, right? And in this video, the guy's interviewing him. He's like, "Yeah, just read the transcripts, right?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, you should just read the transcripts." He's like, "Have you?" And he's like, "Well, uh, well, no, I I I, I haven't, but but I, I I trust our president." And he's like, "You know, if you read the transcripts, he clearly states." Hey, if you guys investigate this political rival of mine, we'll we'll help you out. And he's like, oh, well, oh. And then, like, they just kind of trail off. Like, it's – you'll just read – you'll just parrot really back this funny. shit instead of knowing what it actually is. Yeah, that was really funny. Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, and, and especially that you mentioned that particular example. There was something that I saw, and, you know, of course, social media is just rife with, uh, you know, all kinds of wonderful uh, sublime stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a, uh, a, an artist uh, that I know, a guy named Nino Malong. I'm going to give Nino a shout out. Really tremendous artist. Uh, also, the guy is a martial arts master. I mean, he's they're really deadly. You know, don't, don't fuck with Nino. But I saw on Nino's page, uh, there was, um, uh, again, it was a meme, basically. And uh, it, it, it made this point that I thought was very interesting. Said, um, you know, civility is uh, apparently in 2019 civility is when um and actually and now i'm gonna have to actually find it because i i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to misquote the thing and uh, i there would certainly be the danger of that but um the foundation uh, of this is that uh there seems to be one standard uh for um, you know, for white men, <laughs> and then there's this other standard, uh, kind of for everybody else. And, um, you know, so when you have, uh, you know, the, the, a bunch of white guys getting upset 
about uh, a quote taken out of context, um, you know, it's because you have a segment of the American population that has absolutely bought into this idea that they are under attack and somehow that, uh, you know, their, 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 their way of life, uh, their point of view, you know, their very lives are being threatened by uh, the future, you know, by diversity, you know, by, you know, anyway. So, all right. Okay, so this, um, this uh, meme on, on Nino's page, uh, it says civility, treating white people with respect, political correctness, treating anyone else with respect, you know, <laughs> And uh, then somebody uh, goes even further to say the seesawing between we need more civility and we need less political correctness is really something to behold. And I was just I mean, I was I was very taken when I saw this. I was like, wow, I, I haven't heard I haven't heard this described in this way. Now, I wouldn't have used political correctness, even though a lot of people do. I mean, you've probably heard me say before, yeah. political correctness doesn't actually exist. What you're talking about is cultural sensitivity. And you can substitute cultural sensitivity very easily. But um, it part, it, a lot of it is about your perspective and, um, you know, and who you happen to be that frequently creates that perspective. And so, um, yeah, for some guys... You know, they, they, it's it's all about the difference between civility, which is fine, but political correctness, which is somehow, or, or even um, cultural sensitivity, which is somehow dangerous or wrong or uh, you know ill-timed or ill-placed or something like that. And uh, you know, I, I happen to be of the opinion that there's nothing wrong with cultural sensitivity, and that always should be something for which we strive. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, there, there are these crazy outliers. And, you know, they, they, I think part of the issue is that um, more rights for people of color or for women or for um, the dispossessed or um, you know, people who are challenged in some way, uh, you know, physically or or whatever, uh, you know, group you want to you want to mention uh, more rights for them does not mean less rights for you. If yeah. you are, you know, this white guy who has been accustomed to kind of being on top of the food chain in the United States. And somehow uh, there has been this notion that has been promoted uh, in this community that like, like rights are like a pie and, you know, another slice for somebody else means one less slice for you and nothing could be further from the truth. There's a lot of damn pie out there, basically. <laughs> there's plenty yeah, of pie for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As yep. opposed to what people think about, yep. wait, now there's less pie for me. Why, why am I suddenly getting less pie when yes. I've been accustomed to getting you know, all of this pie, you know, yes. I mean, so it's, yeah. You know, yeah. Out of context, people might be th thinking we were talking about something completely different when talking about not getting enough pie, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, knowing us, that's, that's actually not unlikely, right? This is, this is very true. Let's move on to our next topic, which is television. Mr. Monik, go ahead and hit us with the next category. 
Sure. So this one is cheating a little bit because it's talking about things that didn't actually happen in 2019, but stuff in 2019 we're anticipating. So um, for me, it was the biggest hit, the biggest television hit that is yet to air. And for me, uh, the winner was Star Trek Picard because it's coming out very early 2020. And they've already uh, announced a second season. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So, you know, and I mentioned in the article, it's probably off the back of Discovery doing pretty well, uh, despite CBS All Access probably being in, in the basement as far as all of your streaming platforms. Um, other than Discovery and maybe the Twilight Zone, I don't know a whole lot else that people talk about for CBS All Access as a streaming platform. But yet we're talking about Picard. Uh, so it's going to be kind of a, you know, a tentpole for that particular platform. Uh, it's bringing back a character that none of us really thought would ever come back kind of after Nemesis ended. We're kind of thinking, oh, that's that's the final adventure for old Picard there. Um, and so that's the one where I'm thinking TNG fans are probably going to sink their teeth into this one pretty heavily. Uh, the honorable mentions that I uh, I stated were the disney plus mcu shows uh and that one just got an honorable mention just because there's less information about them though we know what shows they're making who's in them but we really don't know much about them at all whereas picard we kind of know a a general plot line other characters that are going to be in it who's returning what's new characters characters even for other star trek properties that'll be in this one um, whereas the MCU shows, we just kind of know what characters are in it. We don't even know when they're going to be released per se, but obviously those ones are going to be pretty popular. And I, I think they're going to do those ones right with some of the concepts they've been talking about. Like WandaVision sounds really weird and cool. Um, and then when we had the, you know, mention of, I know MC's favorite moon Knight, So like, yes. you know, just certain characters too, where you're like, I, moon and night were the only words I really needed to hear and the rest of it we can we can figure out later on um, so that, that's what I kind of uh, stated I think this one's a little bit broader and a little more open that might have other potential yeah. hits so yeah. the floor is your guys well the, the only thing I want to add in and then Mike or Yuli can go is uh, the, the one thing we do know about the MCU uh, shows is that they're they're all going to be directly linked to the movie kind of preceding or that comes after them. So like WandaVision is very tied to is going to tie into uh, Doctor Strange, which uh, is coming out right after it. Um, So that's something that we do know as far as those. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm I'm the, the Star Trek Picard thing is. I'm so excited about this for for one reason only, because every time that that it had come up before in discussion, Patrick Stewart was very adamant and was like, oh, I don't think we need to revisit this character. We've done it enough. And all of a sudden at a con, I don't remember which one it was. He starts talking about Picard in this like wistful, nostalgic way. And my guess is that because CBS threw a shitload of money at him and he was like, well, you know, I've rethought my position on this and now I'm going to be Picard again. (laughs) And like either way, like the the general consensus is everybody is in. Like I have not heard anybody say 
um, well, I don't know. I mean, it might not be the I don't like no one gives a shit. We're just so excited to see uh, essentially what I'm ca- I've I've been calling it Captain Picard's last ride because I'm assuming he's going to they're going to finish up his storyline with with this in the two seasons or maybe we might even get more of what we're going to get with the story. But I was always an original Star Trek guy, like I, the Kirk, the Spock, the McCoy, the, those were my my favorite. But as I grew older, growing up watching TNG, um, cause I, I started with the movies, like with the original series movies, as I started watching TNG and got more into it and enjoyed it and have rewatched it as an adult, I realized that Picard's the better captain and Picard is like, he, I, I think I like him more now. And I want to see how his story ends. Cause we saw how Kirk's stories end, uh, Kirk's story ended. And I think that I'm not going to say that they owe it to us as the fans, but like, I think that we're all going to be in for this and, and really get to enjoy what we want to see, what we've wanted to see with this. Um, the MCU stuff, I'm not, I'm excited about, but I'm not as geeked up about it as I am about Picard. And that's probably just because of how, how much Star Trek means to me personally. Um, the other, the other ones that like, that are, that are exciting, like, uh, they just announced that there's going to be a new season of, um, it's called You. Which uh, MC and I watched. Yep. Um, comes out in a week. Yeah, it comes out next week. Uh, season two of of you comes out, and my wife and I watched it. We really enjoyed it. Um, but I that, again, I wasn't like super stoked about that. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens with this one. But Picard, man, if they were like, hey, we're gonna release Picard early, and it comes out the same day as you, uh, guess what? You, uh, you're getting pushed to the back burner because I got to watch Jean Luc Picard do his thing. So. <laughs> It's easy for me. Yeah. Yuli, what about yeah. you, man? Well, um, let me ask you, because I'm not sure, based on um, what you guys have been saying up till now, that I understand what we're talking about here. Uh, I thought that this was superlatives from 2019. And the first thing that Steve talks about is Picard, which ain't coming out until 2020. <laughs> well, that was that was so, the category. Uh, was like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, which one is the most anticipated? What's the biggest? Yeah. Oh, like, stuff yeah, is, like stuff oh, they got okay. announced this year that is coming out next year. Next or, year yeah, that we're, we're going for forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Steve's an outside the box thinker when it comes to these categories. <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep yeah, it clearly. <laughs> clearly. Wow. Okay. So stuff coming next year that, well, you know, that, that, um, I, okay. I guess, I guess I would have to, um, I would have to say, uh, really that, Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff that's going to be on Disney Plus because uh, you know already from what we've seen of uh, the the Mandalorian, um, I think that this Disney Plus thing is uh, you know it's the biggest thing since sliced bread basically. I mean all you got to do is you know show people a picture of you know okra and (laughs) they're they're losing their shit. You know basically is what it is. The name has stuck. Yeah, you know, they're like, you know, baby, you know, the, the yodeling is like the cutest thing I've ever seen. Fight me, you know, and, uh, you know, it has propelled the Mandalorian to being the like, apparently the top show of the year, you know, uh, possibly of the decade, you know, the way this show has been embraced. Now, um, sort of extrapolating on that, you also add the fact that um the uh, the you know the head of uh, Marvel uh, you know well basically now the guy who is the architect and you know he won his 
face off with uh, Isaac Perlmutter, you know, and, uh, you know, it's like, oh, wow. OK, um, but Feige, Kevin Feige, um, you know, who has who has come out and said and this is like the biggest thing that could ever possibly happen for Disney Plus, even though none of these shows are out. He says, yeah, now going going forward, you're going to have to watch these shows to understand what happens in all of the movies that we put out from now on. And so, you know, geeks now are like, oh, my God, now I've got to get it because I won't understand what's happening <laughs> if I haven't seen these other shows. And so, um, you know, I think it's automatic, you know, WandaVision and uh, um, Moon Knight, uh, She-Hulk. Yeah, what those does the Loki one? Um, also, oh yeah, Loki. Uh, yeah. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Yeah. You know I mean, and yeah, you know, so they're all tie-ins, and you know, and and one of the things that I had sort of liked about the Marvel movies was, uh, you know, that you didn't. I mean, y- your your enjoyment and understanding of these movies would be enhanced by having seen the previous films, but it wasn't absolutely necessary. Now Feige is saying, oh, it's necessary. <laughs> you know, it's it's necessary. This is a prerequisite. You you gotta, you know, re- these are required reading in the Starfleet Academy, you know, to do this stuff, you know. So um yeah, you know, for that reason, I gotta say anything that is coming out on on Disney Plus, you know, certainly has to be so. And, and you know, this is this is this is the new this is what fandom is gonna be yeah. going yep. forward. And I can't say that I'm really happy about it. I mean, I, I, you know, I've been one. I feel like the foundation needs to be the source material for whatever it is. But, you know, the comics, they're they're kind of I don't want to say inconsequential exactly. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, they're, they're certainly nothing that anybody is really worried about in the face of, you know, all the television and the movies and and all this other stuff, which is kind of too bad. You know, because, um, you know, comics absolutely have a place in popular culture and in geekdom, you know, particularly during this, uh, you know, so-called golden age of geeks, Um, you know, but it seems like they're kind of second class citizens. I mean, that was, you know, how I what I thought when I first heard that they were sort of trying to take comics out of the San Diego Comic-Con, you know, it's like, well, we're going to move the comics off to this other part because they're taking up space that we need for these movies and television shows and stuff, you know? And I'm like, boy, that's, uh, that is really something, you know, that you have extrapolated the Comic-Con now to want to eliminate comics. And, you know, that's, that's part of what I see happening, you know, with this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's unfortunate, but it does kind of seem like that is, you know, to quote the Mandalorian, this is the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to throw that in, didn't you? As a matter of fact, I did, yes. <laughs> I mean, that's that, you know, th- this is akin to the spores in the Star Trek original series, This Side of Paradise episode. They've got you too, you know? It's like, they've, they've got you. I, yeah. yeah. I, of course I understand. Yeah. I'm one of you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The pot is under your bed, Mike. You know? uh, <laughs> yeah, probably. Mike um, 
placed. Hey, but you know what, though? It's got an RFID chip, so you can automatically get into any of the Disney parks because of the pod. So, I mean, I'm a I'm a mark. You know, what can I say? A willing contributor. Yes, you are. And, yep. you know, but I tell you what, with the time that you guys had, just to allude to in earlier episodes, the time you guys had there, you know, I mean, I, I, I can't blame you. Yeah, I mean, that was you know, and 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 going back, planned your next trip before you left. You know, Disney has got their hooks into you, even Sandy. You know, they like, they, wow. they they do, but it's again, you know, is is it really them getting their hooks in you when you're like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and hook me. It's fine. Like, yeah, I'm good with it. Let, let's let's do this. Like, what else you guys got? Like, yeah, we will yeah. buy this. Here's our yeah, money. It is. It, <laughs> it is. It's a mental hook, my friend. Exactly. Yeah, they they yeah. got it before I even walked into that park. Very shrewd. They um, not only not only have they got you for your next trip, they've yeah. got you for your next several trips. Oh yeah, yeah no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not well, even gonna fight it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I want to kind of yield the floor here to Mr. Campbell and to Mr. Monic because, um, actually, in MC, I'm not even sure. Did you watch Game of Thrones at all? Uh, I've I, I got about two seasons in. Okay. I did not watch any of the last season because I haven't watched any of the other seasons, so I, I figured there was no point in me watching the last season. <laughs> but that is, as, as Steve's article uh, puts it, this was the biggest letdown, was Game of Thrones Season 7. So I'm going to let you guys go off on this one. Uh, please run with yeah, this. I, I had plenty to say about that. Um, so much so that it was not only yeah. the main category, it was also the honorable mention. You, you literally <laughs> said, honorable it mention, done. I can't emphasize how much time people spent on Game of Thrones rewatches and reading the books and theories and hype and expectations only to get what we got. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, will, uh, I will let... Yuli go first because if I get going, I'm probably not going to stop. So Yuli, once you start, and then I'll, I'll, I'll intersperse some some thoughts in as well. Okay. All right. Well. Um, all right. First, uh, I, I I'm going to say that um, I I can again I can understand given the audience response to that. Well, I, and I can't even call it the final season because I feel like. The final season got broken up, and so this was the last. I mean, uh, sort of akin to, you know, oh, this is the fall finale, you know, yeah. <laughs> the spring premiere, yeah. you know, this kind of thing. Um, and I, so that's sort of the way I feel about this, and that there were actually six seasons as opposed to seven of Game of Thrones. But um, yeah, you know, I, I understand, um, you know, because not everybody was happy. Uh, with that ending. And, um, you know, it was uh, in, in, in any of these geeky things in which we become particularly invested, um, there is the high likelihood that as the story continues to unfold, and I tell you what, we're, we're seeing this with Star Wars, too. Uh, you know, these last two installments, um, you know, the last Jedi and now uh, the rise of Skywalker, because the the from what I have seen, the response is is very mixed. You got people who are. But but it, it, all right. It, maybe there were more people who were vigorously complaining about Game of Thrones. But I maintain that um, in any of these things in which we become invested um, as it draws to a conclusion, 
And there is no opportunity for a correction of sorts, you know, I mean, because you look at uh, something like and I, yeah, I, it happens to be another Abrams thing lost, you know, which was huge when it was on television. There was a point where the producers of lost kind of got lost, you know, and oh, yeah. so it oh, yeah. sort of sucked, you know, but then <clears throat> they righted the ship. And by the end, everybody was back on board and, you know, felt as if, uh, you know, it was what happened was OK. And, um, you know, but that that you don't always get that. And, you know, clearly, you know, with something like, uh, you know, Game of Thrones, I mean, but hey, it's uh, my I say it still commanded uh, the attention of all these fans. Um, in, and, and the fact that it's an adapted work, I think, also sort of explains it, because that show was never the same after they went beyond uh, the, the books that uh, George R. R. Martin had written. And, uh, you know, people yeah. just yeah, a I lot think you hit it right there. Yeah, you know, where, you know, all of a sudden it wasn't uh, an, an adaptation of these novels so much anymore. It just became a television show. And in terms of the pacing and some of the characterizations and, and a lot, of, I mean, even though reportedly uh, Weiss and uh, Benioff uh, actually talked to George R. R. Martin, you know, who let them in on these uh, the broad swaths and the main story arcs, uh, you know, for all of these characters and that it reflected uh, what ultimately will be in these books if he ever finishes these books, which I sincerely doubt. Yeah, but, I, I think you hit it right there, Yuli, with when you're saying it's an adapted, and that's where both the positive and the negative of the show came from, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're saying that the show was so well received because the books were so well written and the show lived up to that quality. And the differences between the two are things you can justify because you're saying, like, obviously, they're not going to take a book that's a thousand pages long and try and turn every single bit of that into a show. It's not practical. So people mentally go, I get why they made these changes. I've made my peace with it. And you're right. As soon as they got past the books, that's where things kind of started to, to, to stumble. Um, and I think it's a lot of the way because of how George R. R. Martin does his writing and, and doing a little bit of reading about him, the way he likes to do his uh, writing. And I'm, I'm hoping I'm not butchering this, but the way he likes to do is he likes to be like a gardener. Like he says, he just plants seeds. He doesn't outline beginning, middle and end for his stories. He plants seeds. And then as it progresses, he just kind of naturally harvests the storylines that he has sprinkled throughout. And so I think even the conversations he had with D and D about where the ending would go, I, you know, that early on in the production, I'm not sure George even had a 100% stable understanding of the definitive plot points of how it would end. Um, so I think they just kind of took a couple of those nuggets and like you said, they truncated into two half seasons. It really seemed like they weren't all in anymore and they wanted oh. to move on to star Wars and, and which ended up falling apart itself and other projects, but the money just kept churning everyone and making everyone come back for, for more and more until this thing got done. That's the feeling I got from it, at least. Yeah. Well, and, and more's the pity, because, uh, and we sort of uh, alluded to this 
uh, with Patrick Stewart and this Picard thing, you know, where, you know, oh, one day, you know, it's like, oh, well, no, that's the end of that. I'll never return. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, here's a check and he's like, make it so, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, money, cha- money changes people. It really does. And, uh, you know, for some now, excuse me. Everybody except Alan Moore has changed my money. <laughs> you know, he's angrier Moore and angrier like, the more money he gets from his projects. You so. know, well, and won't take it. You know, I mean, I'm not. I I don't know exactly where his cut is going, uh, but uh, you know, that's that's probably worthy of a Google. But yeah, you know, he's he ain't taking it. He's like, screw y'all. You know, I don't want anything to do with this. And, you know, I'm sure Dave Gibbons is like, yeah, more for me. But yeah, but usually money changes people, uh, you know, to where, yeah, the unacceptable frequently becomes acceptable. And, you know, it certainly, uh, you know, means that uh, you can uh, continue going forward. Shoot. You know, I just remembered that uh, there was a point that I was making with uh, some uh, fellow performers today. And I never finished the point because I think they called... Uh, you know, for some people to come to set or whatever, because I was getting ready to say, and this is, I mean, me too, you know, I mean, because, um, all right, uh, you know, it's, uh, some of you may know that, you know, I, I make my living these days as a, um, you know, entertainment person, you know, I mean, doing radio and television and, you know, movies and acting and, you know, whether it's as a background performer or a day player or a principal person or whatever. So um, now what I have said, because uh, I'm not really an actor, but, you know, I get paid to get in front of a camera. And in some ways, it was the worst day of my life. But um, I, 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 real performers, guys like uh, George Clooney come to mind, uh, where, you know, uh, the show used to be the biggest show on television, ER, was on NBC. And George Clooney was, uh, he was the star of this show. And at the height, it was very early on, at the height of the show's popularity, he, he left. He, you know, this artistic integrity thing or whatever, he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to stretch myself as a performer. I want to do other things. And so he left. And I, I laugh because I tell people, if anybody is ever stupid enough to cast me on a network series, I'm never leaving that motherfucker. I'm going to be on until the shit gets canceled. It's like, as long as they keep writing checks, I'm like, oh, fuck that. Yeah, my character is there taking these checks. You know, whatever crazy stories you want to do, I'm there. Yeah, hey, you so, me? here I go, you know. Yuli, we have to let you know that um, that Hulu now has the Investigation Discovery series. Shit, and I can't remember the name of it now. Um, I just asked my wife about it. Babe, what was the name of that series again that Yuli's on? Oh, um... Uh, wait, damn! Wait, wait. Nightmare next door. Yeah, yes, yes, Nightmare yes. next door. We found we found your two episodes, my friend. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Oh Bless yes, hearts. we did. Yeah. We found your two episodes, and I can't wait to watch them. Because... Oh, thank God you haven't seen. I thought you had actually seen no, them. Like, oh. Sandy, Sandy was Sandy was making fun of, not making fun of you because you were very nice, like just entertaining person you're very kind you're very generous and like she was just like imagining you like like listen here you're gonna have to get in this trunk because i'm gonna murder you and i was like like, babe he is an actor you know he probably acted the role he wasn't like 
Hi, I'm Ulysses Campbell, and I'm going to need you to bind your hands and feet because I'm going to slash your throat. Like, yeah, it's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I tell you what else, too. Um, on And it's an added bonus for the, uh, for the one, uh, the first one, and that's I play... Because uh, these are true stories, that basically reenactments. So I play a guy named James Fountain, who was uh, in Buffalo, New York. I think it was 1996, but early to mid, mid to late 90s, I think. Um, but he, um, he, he was basically a, a serial killer. And, yeah. um, you know, so the story is about how they ultimately caught him. But interesting sideline, uh, my co-star in that episode delightful actress named Morgan Avery McCoy. And uh, Morgan uh, has really, I mean, the trajectory of her career has been, you know, a lot more uh, uh, into the stratosphere you know, than what I've been doing. Uh, I, I saw her in, uh, in the movie Harriet uh, just recently. Uh, there is a one-woman show that she had been doing because she's a phenomenal stage actress, but she is one of my victims <laughs> in, uh, in this uh, Nightmare Next Door show. So um, I hope you enjoy uh, Morgan's performance as I, you know, slash her throat and kill her. Ah, <laughs> you know? oh, man, spoiler alerts. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, you know, yeah, like I said, yeah. true, true story. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it was her, yeah. it was, it was her disappearance that um, put uh, Buffalo detectives back on the on the case, but oh, wow. yeah, that that that's really funny <laughs> that you. I mean, and uh, the the other one, I'm just I'm I'm not the killer in the other one. I'll tell you. So it's okay. <laughs> that was that was that was kind of a better deal. But I'm oh, okay. I'm suspected. Uh, but, uh, no, Nobody I mean, convicted me of shit. One me. Yeah. <laughs> one me. You're yeah. a very <laughs> suspicious guy, Yuli. So yeah, exactly. it's understandable. Yes, yeah. Well, I and I and I had a questionable relationship with the victim. You know, also, which uh, was what caused police to look more closely at me. You know, I was I was her landlord who was also uh, romantically involved with her. So, uh, yeah, she disappeared. Yeah, yeah. I was a lecherous guy, basically. So, yeah. No, but that that's funny. And you say it's Hulu? That has yeah, it's to... on Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't go destroying everyone's copy or anything, buddy. It's out there <laughs> <laughs> on the internet. It's there forever. Yeah, you, you oh, can't George Lucas holiday special this thing. It's <laughs> uh, it's out there. Hey, look, I'll tell you that. The, I mean, it was fine because the checks cleared, but the most <laughs> side of it for me, uh, there were um, you know two ladies who go to my church. And uh, evidently they watch Investigation Discovery and they were like, oh, we saw you on Nightmare Next Door. You know? And I, it was just it was a very incongruous kind of situation that there at church, you know, after a service, you know, these two, uh, you know, congregants were sharing this with me. This was like, uh, thank you, I think. <laughs> I was uncomfortable that they even watched Investigation Discovery. You know, can I let me ask you a question about that, actually. Um, and, and what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, is we're going to go ahead and end this part of the geek sheets. We're going to we're gonna come back. We're splitting this up a little bit. If you look at the article, there is a particular uh, section that's coming up next, and that's comics. This was written by uh, James Rambo. We're going to do another episode later where Rambo actually speaks to these. I, th I feel like it's only fair, you know, that he should get to talk about the things oh, yeah. that he wrote. Oh, yeah. And we're going to do that one later. Um, what we're going to do is we are going to do a second episode here in, in, in just a minute where we're going to be talking about the other part of this, which is uh, we mentioned music. 
uh, our best new music. We're also going to talk about podcasts um, and basically just kind of like since this is our last episode of 2019, just kind of talk about um, kind of the fun things that we got to do this year as far as podcasting goes. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but before I want to give you a little little bit of something fun here. Yuli, I want to ask you. When you're doing something like this, when you're acting and you have to like, you know, kill somebody on on scene, like, is it? I, I know you're just acting. Obviously, it's not real, but like, is there ever a spot where it feels weird? Because you know, as human beings, we're not supposed to murder each other. Like, is there ever a spot where you're just like, I don't feel right doing this, or like, maybe I'm going too far because I don't want to potentially hurt this uh, this this actor or actress that I'm working with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, in that um, Nightmare Next Door, uh, which is probably uh, the context where I was even uh, talking about it with you guys. But, um, you know, because there's a scene and, and it wasn't the, 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 the victim who got killed, but there was like an earlier woman that this guy abducted and uh, he put her in a box. And so we were doing the reenactment of that portion and they were like, yeah, you know, put put her in this box. You know, they had a big ass box in the thing that said it's like throw her in the box and like close her up in there. And uh, you know, so we're because first thing was it was a very physical kind of performance. This wasn't where, you know, my stunt double came in and, you know, got to do this stuff. Um so uh, you know, and I felt a certain way, you know, because uh, the actress with whom I was performing, uh, you know, was was good. And she was screaming and begging and crying. And, uh, you know, I was had to be insensitive to that. But I, you know, as a as a real person, you know, who is actually sensitive to that and would never throw somebody in a box against their will. Um, you know, I was I was really uncomfortable, you know, and uh, and there have been times, uh, you know, because, again, I said I'm not really an actor. I usually try to play myself if there's something I'm doing or some aspect of myself. And, uh, you know, one of the earliest things that I had to do, I was um, I was playing the uh, the shady attorney of a guy who was uh, who was a killer. And uh, now he was in custody, but he had a bunch of people uh, that he had kidnapped and was keeping at an undisclosed location. And uh, he was trying to um, bargain with police, uh, you know, to reveal the location of these victims who at the time were still alive. And so there was a scene where as his attorney, you know, I, I came in and basically I was, uh-huh, yeah, um, you know, I know where they are and I'll only tell you if you give my client a sweet deal. And I, even that I found very questionable. I was like, damn, really? Oh, this guy is acting all arrogant and stuff. And wow, he's a real piece of shit, you know? And I'd rather not play pieces of shit. I'd rather play, you know, like characters that are cool or all right, at least, you know, I mean, not, you don't want to be a piece of shit. I mean, that's damn, be- you know, that's the best line, though. I'd rather not be a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I can do it. I couldn't even really do it in the beginning. But yeah, I mean, you don't, you know, who wants to do that? That's no yeah. fun. Oh, well, this- unless you're on a soap opera, <laughs> you know, then it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what you want to do, you know? Yeah. All right, guys. So we got a little insight into uh, the acting world with Ulysses E. Campbell. Um, Stay tuned. We got a second episode of GGR Pirate Radio coming back. We're going to be talking about music. We're going to be talking about our favorite podcasts from 2019. Uh, So make sure you tune in to episode two. But for Steve, for MC, for Ulysses E. Campbell, for uh, James Rambo, for all of those folks out there that have been part of this podcast, 
uh, thing that we've done to TK Walker, Andy Barsh, everybody who's been on this GGR Pirate Radio train. We appreciate you. Uh, we, we thank you for being part of this, but also for all you out there listening, we appreciate you as well. Uh, thank you for having a, a giving us an opportunity to uh, share our world with you. So we'll be back. Stay tuned. And remember, don't be a juice bag. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, boy!